introducing Elvis Presley. Elvis, 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 Hello and welcome to Elvis Has Left the Movies, a podcast dedicated to the cinematic legacy of Mr. Elvis, Aaron Presley, journeying through all 31 of his feature films. On top of the movie talk, we'll also be exploring the bigger picture as far as the culture of those times as seen through a present-day lens. I'm Mathieu Langlois, or Matt for simplicity, and I am joined, as always in this endeavor, by Morgan. Hi everybody, my name's Morgan Kegashange. I am an illustrator who loves Elvis Presley. And I'm here to talk about Elvis because what else am I going to do with my life, really? <laughs> what are any of us going to do? Why isn't everyone talking about Elvis? <laughs> you know, that's the question that plagues me from the from the depths of my dreamlike state as I wake onto the morning. Why aren't people talking about Elvis and his 31 movies? Honestly. 31. Oof. 31. Name me one other person who has been in 31 movies about themselves. <laughs> That's the that's really the thing, because it's not just 31 movies, it's 31 Elvis movies. Yeah, and we have that on-running joke where we're talking about which Elvis name, they, they give him a name in each new movie, which of them is the best, and I, you have to wonder at some point, why don't they just call him Elvis? Like, who are they trying to fool? Yeah, is that going to really break my immersion on this <laughs> film? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so what movie are we talking about today? We will get to it. I just, I've realized we were... As we were running out of time on last episode when we were talking about loving you, right? Uh, there was a few things that we said we were going to get to and we didn't get to them. So I will quickly rapid fire do those now. We didn't talk about there's alternate titles for these films sometimes, and um, some. Oh of my god, titles, Matt, are we going to talk about the alternate titles? I'm just going to name them. We're just we're, we're done. Okay. I'm not going to go into like the minutia. <laughs> like, Holy cow! <laughs> there's a, there's three different titles that were proposed before they settled on loving you. Okay. Stranger in Town. Lonesome Cowboy, which is one of the songs. Yes. And Something for the Girls, which is a thing, is a line that uh, Glenda says at one point because they're talking about him as a performer. And she's like, well, he's, he brings something for the girls. Oh, I see. So there could have been a title drop. They'd been like, ooh, but no. I think Loving You was good, but they probably also could have gone with Lonesome Cowboy. I think they didn't because they knew that Elvis was going to be in a really egregious amount of cowboy movies hereafter. True. <laughs> and Loving You, just the better song. Yes, it is. All right, and uh, we also didn't discuss last movie, Loving You, or not Loving You, sorry. Um, no, Loving You. No, Loving You was the cowboy one. No, Love Me Tender was the cowboy one. Love Me Tender. Holy jeez. Ooh, actually, I'm glad you just <laughs> made that mistake because I have a funny other anecdote to throw in. Okay. In Italy, Loving You was released with the title of Amami Teneramante, or Love Me Tenderly. Okay. <laughs> the reason they could do that is because Love Me Tender in Italy came out as uh, Fratelli Rivali, or Rival Brothers. So, oh, oh, I see. That's not confusing at all. All right. So in Loving You also, we were discussing which outfit was the best outfit, and we didn't tell you which outfit was the best outfit. I think it's the red cowboy outfit. It's made of satin, which is fabulous, as we know. Yes. Satin is king. It's the big showy outfit for the big showy number. Yeah, it's the one that he's like, I'm not going to wear your monkey suits or whatever. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm going to wear the monkey suit. Because I look like a star when I'm wearing it. Yeah. And then he dances like a little monkey. Mm -hmm, he doesn't mm -hmm. actually dance, but metaphorically, you know, 
he shakes his tail feather. And I agree on that choice. And I, but I'm only going to give a, a special shout out to this brown jacket that he wears when he's at Susan's farm and leaving. And also when he fights the dude in the diner, it's a really nice looking jacket. It looks very comfortable. It is stylish. It's very stylish. Very stylish jacket. Okay, so um, if that is, is that everything for the last movies? For last the- thing is that in the final sequence when he's doing the big final number, in the crowd, Elvis's parents are extras. Oh, I saw your notes on that and I was like, Elvis's parents, like, isn't that kind of a really crummy thing that like you give your kid to an orphanage and then like years later you show up to his show? And I was wondering why that happened. It was like, no, you met his real parents. In real life, like, yes. Elvis's parents. They are in the crowd. <laughs> you can see them. There's a part where he like kind of is in the aisle and they're just at the side of it. Ah. This was the only movie... Well, at least it's the only movie that his mom is in. I think his dad might be in another film. We'll get to that when we get to that. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that was just a nice little... Look at that. They made it. Okay. They're in showbiz too. Wonderful. Okay, without further ado... Today's movie is... We're talking about a big one. Jailhouse Rock. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Jailhouse Rock is a pretty significant movie, um, both culturally for the... like. I, I don't know if I'm using the word right, the, the nexus of society, but also right for Elvis's career. It pretty much was one of the big, big hits that, that launched him into serious fame and stardom. Am I right? Yes. I believe so. I was surprised to see the, well, maybe not surprised, but the critical reception was actually pretty mixed when it came out. Right. I can totally believe that because I have some things to say about yeah. this movie yeah. um, that are really interesting, I think. And we're really, um, there are some things that are really at the forefront of this movie that I think were probably at the forefront even back then. When we talk about some of the stuff that happens in Elvis movies and we try to kind of unravel them with regards to their social implications, we kind of tend to forget that the 50s and 60s were a really different time and the way people spoke about things and the way people represented visual metaphor was really really different but I have no doubt in my mind that there was some things about Jailhouse Rock that the public was like uh (laughs) what are you doing Elvis (laughs) what are you doing buddy yep so you give us the deets as usual. Tell us the um, tell us the stats for this Elvis movie. Sure thing. So this was released November eighth, nineteen fifty seven. This is an MGM production. So three films in, and this is a third different studio. It's interesting that uh, we've had a variety like this. Did a lot of studios want Elvis that badly? He was making the money, so yeah. I guess so. Uh, but this is directed by Richard Thorpe, who had like a lifelong career at MGM. He's rather interesting we're not going to go into to it too much but he was actually the original director of the wizard of oz wow yeah he actually he was he worked on it for two weeks um and then he was fired because apparently his vision wasn't it didn't have the right air of fantasy about it they said interesting Uh, but i think sounds to me like it was code for some other such nonsense perhaps that's the same thing they said to guillermo del toro when they told him he wasn't going to be able to make the hobbit anymore mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> they were like it's not the right kind of fantasy guillermo <laughs> the business has never changed it's always been like this yeah yeah but i think one of his like a shot of like toto running out of the ca- the wicked witch's castle near the end i think that's technically still his shot like he shot that during that two weeks and they kept it because they didn't want to reshoot the dog stuff i see so some of it is there um but otherwise he did like these big opulent like adventure films in the 50s. That was his like bread and butter. He did Ivanhoe, okay. The Prisoner of Zenda, and Knights of the Round Table. That's 52, 52, and 1953. 
and then what he just freaking died no like, no and then he found his in well, 53 down he found his way here in jailhouse rock in 1957 oh i see okay just setting the stage for where he was at in his career <laughs> <laughs> sorry i'm just being just being willfully obtuse about it that's okay well, you, okay also, let's get into you say what happened Did they just straight up die well i'll get to that later we have yeah. a bit of a bummer topic to, we'll get to oh no sorry <laughs> Uh, okay. But for now, let's just keep it light and fun. <laughs> yeah, let's keep going. Let's talk about the cinematographer. Uh, the cinematographer of this one is Robert J. Bronner. Mm-hmm. And he was also working. And this is the thing. is like those those Richard Thorpe movies I was talking about. They're all big color pictures. And so were Richard Bronner's big movies that he was doing were all color pictures. So it's interesting yeah, that this is a black and this white This is movie. another black and white film. So why the return to black and white? I'm sure that's the question on everybody's mind for all of our audience who is on this journey with us. I keep getting fan letters and just they're pouring in. Just tons of comments. You guys will not stop harassing us about why they return to black and white. And the answer is, is a pretty low budget film, so. Yeah, I was just going to say low budget, not enough money. Yeah. It's got to be, right? But I would argue that. They paid Elvis too much and they paid the, the rest too little. The, once again, the black and white cinematography and the, the look of it, like, is a plus. Yeah, this one really works for me. Um, Like, Love Me Tender, we've talked about already, was pretty, not to sound too harsh, but pretty pedestrian as far as a movie goes even for black and white movies in the time which generally back then even black and white movies had some pretty bare bones for like i don't know just general like people understood how to work in black and white i think a little bit better you know because they had more experience with it yes that didn't happen in love me tender but it did happen in jailhouse rock they really understood how to work with what they were doing so that was nice <laughs> it was nice to watch a black and white movie that i could like i could see what was happening i could see people's facial expressions i could see when somebody was talking to somebody else you know very much so so yeah uh glad to see it and those movies that that cinematographer did that were all the color pictures before this he did a movie called meet me in las vegas in 1956 which honestly sounds like it could have been an elvis movie title i thought it was i saw it in your notes and i was like oh did you direct <laughs> two elvis movies that will be Viva Las Vegas when we get to that. Oh, I'm so excited to watch Viva Las Vegas. This is noteworthy too. I'm not going to, I keep saying I'm not going to go on a tangent, but of course I'm kind of going to slightly go on a tangent. <laughs> There's the 1955 movie called It's Always Fair Weather. Yes. And this is the second big collaboration between Stanley Donnan and Gene Kelly after Singing in the Rain. Okay. This was like a second collaboration and they tried to kind of recapture that magic. It's not as talked about as much. But there is one big standout musical number that is kind of like the Singing in the Rain equivalent. But he's on roller skates and he's going through the streets. It's fantastic. Oh, I've seen yeah. I've seen that clip. That's that's a well-known clip, right? Oh, that's interesting. So, so you have a cinematographer working here that knows how to deal with musicians. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that didn't play into... The best, why? the only good scene in this movie? No. <laughs> We're going to get to it. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so let's keep going. Yeah. Elvis's character name is Vince Everett. And Vince Everett is a good name for uh, Elvis, but I'm still stuck on Deke Rivers. I agree for the time being. Yeah, so far Deke Rivers is the best Elvis name for the characters. There's seven songs in the movie. Um, only two of them are good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, three of them are good, actually. Three of them are my favorite. That's what I mean. I wanted to talk, actually. There's a song in here that is 
it's almost like a prototype for another Elvis song. If you follow along with Elvis's discography and you listen to a lot of his music, there's you'll notice this theme sometimes where he has a song from his really early career that has this type of structure to it and this type of like jive to it. And then like later in his career, you're you'll hear that song again, but it's a different song. Right. And it has slightly different lyrics, but the lyrics even are almost the same and things are just kind of mushed around a little bit. So there was a song like that in here. I th- I think it was Treat Me Nice, but anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. Yes. They kind of just all blend together other than like the big numbers that are like the standouts yeah so so there's seven songs there's one more day which is not an original elvis song no that is no it is sorry is performed, it's performed by, by mickey shaughnessy his uh, yeah. co-star and uh two is young and the beautiful uh young and beautiful sorry i want to be free don't leave me now is a big one treat me nice is a big one jailhouse rock is the biggest and the last one is you're so square baby i don't care yes once again as with that we're following the pattern of the title song is where why you go to the movie for and then yes even yeah. more so in this case more than any other because once again we'll get oh to yeah it. this seems to be like the first elvis movie where they really started to theme the elvis movie on a particular song and like it's almost like they were creating an album for jailhouse rock but instead of making an album they made a movie yes and i think that's going to start you're going to start to see more of that. Uh, not in every Elvis movie, but in, in a fair bit of them. When they when they get back to this musical archetype, it's usually like that now. So, uh, Matt, your favorite song in this Elvis movie is? Uh, I mean, can I say anything other than Jailhouse Rock? It's, it's, there's really... Well, you can, because Treat Me Nice is arguably better than Jailhouse Rock. J- Jailhouse Rock is great, but Treat Me Nice is, you know, it's a classic. That's fair. That's totally that's totally cool. I'm gonna go with Jailhouse Rock though, because I'm a basic. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, you're pretty basic. That's how it is. <laughs> yeah. For anybody who uh, doesn't mind the undervalued and underappreciated work of Elvis, which was a direct ripoff of African American artists. Anyway, treat me nice. It's where you should go. So um, it takes Elvis one minute and forty seconds to show up, and the first song is twelve and a half minutes in. Yes. The first song specifically sung, sung by Elvis, because once again, One More Day, which is performed by Mickey Shaughnessy, he does it like right before. Right. Okay, so um, where do you want to jump off from? That's the basic meat and potatoes of where the film has come from and yes. who made the film. And Oh, we did, we haven't talked about the stars. We'll get, yeah, might as well do the co-star thing. And this yeah. is where some sad, some sad news comes in, but this is part of the thing. Yes. So the main female lead. Yes. It's an actress named Judy Tyler. She plays Peggy Uh. Three days after they wrapped filming, she died. She perished in a car accident with her husband. Wow. Uh, Holy cow. Yeah. And it's just, it's a real bummer. That's really sad. And Elvis, I think Elvis is on, he's, he's quoted as saying that like he couldn't watch the film afterwards just because, you know. Wow. I can, I can imagine. Um, I would be like, yeah, that's pretty sad. And she's, she's great in this film. Yeah. She, yeah. I, she did a good job. Um, she did a really good job, honestly. 
there's this quality to Hollywood actresses in the 40s, 50s. Not so much you see in the 60s. You see it phase out in the 60s. But there was this kind of character archetype that you saw in a lot of those movies about women who were really strong and driven and keen. And they had a certain sharpness to them that... You know, they they weren't necessarily femme fatales. Femme fatales tended to be more like wistful and yeah. listless and stuff like that. And these types of women started popping up as part of the youth revolt. You know, when youth started seeing themselves in movies, they wanted to see women who were, I guess, a little bit more driven. And you started seeing those characters pop up more and more. And then it fell out of favor again. It was like a really short run. Yeah. Like, I didn't remember seeing a lot of it in the 60s and 70s because by then the youth revolt had gone full swing and people were much more into, like, that kind of gritty realism and all that kind of thing. Or they went the opposite way for true diehard camp. But there was this really cool in-between period where women were creating these archetype characters that were really just interesting, really interesting, really sharp. I think the word I'm looking for is tacit. I think it's tacit. Yeah, tacit. <laughs> T-A-C-I-T. Tacit. Yeah, no, she did a great job. So that's a real that's a real tragedy. She was very young. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, she was the same age as like Elvis was at the time, oh, which goodness. is 22. No, no, she was a year older or something. Shame. My goodness. All right, well, let's move on from that, I guess. Sure. <laughs> Pack that sad thought away. Uh, thank you for your contribution to Elvis film, Judy Tyler. Rest in peace. Up next, Mickey Shaughnessy. Mickey Shaughnessy, who plays Hunk Houghton, which what a name, first off. There's a lot of good names. That's a great name. So he's usually just called Hunk. That is a great name. And around this time, actually a few years before, in 1953, he was in the big box office smash Oscar nominated From Here to Eternity with uh, Frank Sinatra and a bunch of other people. Right. I, I don't think I've ever heard of this movie. If it's the one, you know the scene. There's a scene where there's the, the, the couple are on the beach and then the wave like washes over them as they're kissing. Ah. That's from from here to return. Ah. Yes. I see. It's the iconic image okay. that has seeped into pop culture. Up next is Vaughn Taylor, Mr. Shores. And I guess you're going to tell us about him because I don't, you know, I listen, man, it's three episodes in and the audience is going to start learning some things about this. I really don't know much about movies at all. What I do know about is my love for Elvis and Matt is here just to kind of give us all the details so yes I'm the guy who's interested about the minutiae of like hey did you know this <laughs> was in this yeah thing? that's my thing <laughs> who did this yeah okay tell, tell us about Von Taylor Mr. Shores who is the lawyer that they get right I yep. want to say I literally watched this movie yesterday and it's, it's slowly sitting away like <laughs> So I'm going to be more down on it than I usually am. I'm usually the guy who's like, ooh, that was, no, it had some good. But honestly, I think the the reputation of it, like as like, whoa, this is like the first big, like really good. I was like, I don't know. It has many problems, but I digress. Yeah, it's got problems. I think the great thing about this Elvis movie is that it really sets in stone the norm of Elvis movies having problems. And that's just something that we're all going to accept about Elvis movies. That's true. Like, Love Me Tender had problems because Elvis was, it was his first movie and the directing wasn't that great and the shooting wasn't that great and the story was kind of, nah, whatever, and it was really low budget. And, um, Jesus, I can't, 
I can't keep those two. Loving you. There you go. <laughs> they're they're too, just too similar. They're, yeah, they're too similarly titled. Why? What were they thinking by doing the two back to back with the same? And and loving you was not that bad. It didn't actually have like we talked about a bit a uh, bit about the social issues that we can kind of glean from that movie. But in all things considered, it wasn't actually so terrible. But Jailhouse Rock has some problems. <laughs> the structure is a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, the structure is not great. the The acting is, I thought, was pretty good. It was pretty decent. Everybody yes. did a good job, I think. But like. <laughs> it's like they were almost being self-aware about it it's almost like the directors were like we're making an elvis movie like here you go <laughs> yeah because just once again like how loving you was like here's this guy who's plucked out of obscurity and he becomes a star and it's like the rise and fall we do that again but then they also add the element of well we're gonna get to the plot at one point he's like now i'm in the movies and i'm making movies and they're like oh this guy it's very strange they keep adding strange. these it's very strange <laughs> meta layers to things yeah it was really meta but in a way that didn't age well. It just didn't... Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, uh, fun side characters. Whoa, 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 wait. We didn't even talk about Von Taylor. I got all sidetracked. Oh, it's okay. All, good. all right, let's talk about Von Taylor. Uh, so he plays Mr. Shores, who I believe is probably the lawyer character. Um, <laughs> so he played Marion Crane's boss, George Lowry, in Psycho in 1960. Ah, I see. Which people are like, okay. that was the inciting incident of that movie that everyone forgets because the whole shower thing happens but like yeah she steals some money from her workplace and he's the boss that's right that's right okay so uh fun side characters we have teddy <laughs> we have teddy talbot who is the the disc jockey who plays the first record that ellis's characters makes like so yes to get him um and he's played by dean jones yes. who i know and many, many people might remember he was the star of many disney films back in the 60s and 70s including that darn cat and the love bug which introduced you know herbie the volkswagen beetle and oh right the million dollar duck like 60s and 70s that was oh, he was everywhere it's a strange time for live action disney movies yeah that's why with the advent of disney plus you can revisit all these weird <laughs> like what were they thinking what were they thinking? I don't know. And in 1995, he was actually inducted as a Disney Legends uh, Award winner for his film work because oh. he did like many pictures for them. He was on a contract for a while. Very nice. Uh, and to uh, as another element of like, he doesn't do any singing in this movie, but he actually pretty legit because he was in Stephen Sondheim's musical Company back in 1970. He originated the role of Robert, the main character. Hmm. And if you watch the movie uh, Marriage Story, the song that adam driver sings near the end being alive the big like number that's the one that dean jones sings uh in his version very good nice interesting so um it, uh do we have do we got some more yeah, I got, fun facts we got one more person that it's worth talking about i suppose okay when he becomes a movie star in the latter half of the film uh he they, they pair him up with this actress, the leading lady of the picture that he's working on within the movie, Sherry Wilson, played by an actress named Jennifer Holden. And she's only got like three credits. She did two movies after Jailhouse Rock in 1958, a movie called Gang War and a movie called Buchanan Rides Alone. And then just kind of drifted off into obscurity. Yeah. And she also was apparently she could she could sing like there's a lot of musical talent, even though they're not actually using their musical talent, apparently in this film. It's interesting. Right. Right. Okay, so that's it for the fun facts about um, Elvis's movie. Oh, wait, no, hold on. I see some more cool notes here. Inducted into the Library of Congress National Film Registry? In 2004, yes. 
is that the same like committee that takes those films and protects them and keeps them from being vandalized and stuff yes, like that? Yes, this thing is is preserved by. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. Because what they do is every year they add twenty five new films to the registry. Right. Uh, and in two thousand four, this was one of the ones that made it in. That is so excellent. I'm glad to hear that. I would argue there maybe is a better film they could have put, but well, we'll get to that the next time we talk. I I well yeah I think there's probably would be better films but i think also jailhouse rock is quintessential for like the elvis persona and the elvis movie so i can see why they may have picked that ahead of uh, an elvis movie that was by all rights probably way better than jailhouse rock it is him on screen you picture him with the striped shirt and the jailhouse rock musical number like yeah a lot of that's the image yeah I, i remember even like, I remember when we were kids, they were like, we're going to do a school play. And they were like, cool. And they were like, we're going to sing Elvis songs. And they were like, cool. And they were like, what Elvis song are we going to sing? And all of the kids were like, well, obviously, we're going to sing Jailhouse Rock. We're either going to sing Jailhouse Rock or Blue Suede Shoes. And uh, <laughs> fun fact, I don't know if I've mentioned this before. In that play, I was adamant that I must play Elvis. Of course. I had to be Elvis. And people were like, Morgan, you're a girl. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. I am Elvis. <laughs> no one embodies the spirit more, I would assume. Oh, it was really great, man. It was, I was 13. It was grade eight. And I didn't have a lot of friends to begin with, except for my ride or die crew. And they were like, no, man, it should be Morgan. She's already Elvis. <laughs> what can you say? I was like, they were like, who's going to play Elvis? And I'm like, who else knows all the songs? Who else knows the dance? Who knows? The- I know all the words already. You know, <laughs> they're like, all right, fair. <laughs> like, sweet. So not only am I Elvis's biggest fan which I'm not actually Elvis's biggest fan I'm just his maybe like his 40th biggest fan there's a lot of fans out there this is true there's there's a lot of Elvis fans and I don't want to compete because we get a little we get a little intense you know Mm -hmm. but anyway I am Elvis just so you know so uh let's talk about the plot so Elvis is like a regular guy and he gets into a fight and during this fight he accidentally hurts someone real bad and then he gets sent to prison for being a baddie. And when he's in prison, his cellmate, who is much older than he is and much more learned about the ways of jail, just agrees to help Elvis for no reason and keep him safe and keep him on the up and up. And in the meantime, also teaches him how to play the guitar because Elvis doesn't know how to play the guitar. And he teaches him how to do the little song and dance thing. And then Elvis gets out of prison and is like, I'm going to do my sing and dancing thing. Somebody, I think, in prison like saw him and was like, when you get out... I've got an opening, maybe like hit me up, right? Sure. And they do that. And uh, then my memory gets foggy. There's a girl involved. She shows up. She's like, oh, she's the one who, she's the one who originally signs him up to be recorded. She's like, I'm going to front the money for this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to get this up and running and you just do what I tell you and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, whatever. And they have this like little back and forth where she's like, they kind of like each other, but they hate each other because Elvis is mean and sad because he went to prison. Elvis is (laughs) kind of a dick. Yeah. Elvis is a real fucking, oh, excuse me, piece of work (laughs) in this movie. There it is again. Sorry. (laughs) Um, So 
then he starts to get famous and the relationship between him and the girl kind of uh, crumble and um, then he starts being really mean and his buddy gets out of prison and starts to come work with him and he sees the way that he's treating this girl and he beats Elvis up but he beats him up too hard and Elvis got to go to the hospital and the girl shows up and she's like you don't have to be afraid to love because I love you and Elvis is like wah and then they smooch and then uh happy ending and uh and then Elvis sings at a piano and he gets his voice back and everything's okay the end pretty pretty fantastic summary I got it. So <laughs> I could fill in more details, but yeah, that's that's the gist of it. It's a little all that's over the it. place. That's... You might have realized <laughs> in that description. Yes. Okay. So, oh God, where do we even start? Uh, okay, let's start here. Um, it's another Elvis movie where Elvis beats the shit out of somebody. Mm-hmm. We talked last episode about how there's this weird um running theme in elvis movies where they normalize young guys getting into really serious altercations with one another and in this movie they're apparently not afraid to pull punches with what they think is a reality check for (laughs) people who do what elvis does in his movies which is you go to jail yes if you get into a fight you go to jail which is what's supposed to happen right if you beat the shit out of somebody he is convicted of manslaughter they say it at the hearing he's convicted of manslaughter and they let him out in like what two years yeah i forget what he sentenced you i want to say the introduction to his character, he's on a construction site. He's like on a bulldozer. That's his big entrance. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's like, oh, my paycheck's in. Woo. Let me spend my paycheck at the, the local watering hole. And then there's some, you know, drunk husband who's like being mean to his wife. So then Elvis flips out on him and they, they fight and he like yep. kills the dude. And then he's sentenced. And this is the first four minutes of the movie. They just boom, boom, boom. Like they just go. Yes. Yeah, they they want Elvis to go to jail. Like they're, they they want you to know. Listen, we're, Elvis is going to prison. Yeah. It doesn't matter what for. You know, he's in there. And it, <laughs> I kind of wish. I feel like somebody could do a great job of reshooting this movie. Except instead of Elvis going to prison for manslaughter, he goes to prison for doing something like really bad. Like Elvis goes to prison for date raping somebody, or Elvis goes to prison for like child abduction, like something really. <laughs> wrong because i think that would make sense um with like the i don't know the weird way they're treating crime in this movie they're like eh, elvis kills a guy sure. elvis murders a man <laughs> accidentally <laughs> so yeah he's got to go to prison for a couple of months it's no big deal like imagine they did that with a movie but they were like yeah elvis rapes a chick but you know he didn't mean to do it it was an accident he just kind of slipped it in and anyway he's got to go to prison for a couple of months so no biggie here's him singing and dancing <laughs> The thing being that, like, no matter what we want more nuance out of our Elvis movies, they are still big studio pictures and it's very sanitized. Like, he's going to prison, but it's, like, the nicest prison I ever saw. Oh, yeah. Everyone sure is nice. No one's getting, you know, shanked in the night. Everyone sure is nice. Yeah. Let's talk about, let's just get into it because I'm so excited to talk about it. You teased this this talk last episode, so get right into it. I can't believe it. Go for it. Elvis, um... 
so we have to talk about this because it's important. Let's talk about the way society treated homosexuality. Mm-hmm. We know we're going to get into it. We know we're going to talk about it. It's going to pop up. So all of my great aunts and grandmothers and, and every all of the, the ladies really dug Elvis. They were super into him. They liked his little hippie movements. They liked his sad boy attitude. But all of my uncles and all of the men in our family were not shy about throwing the F word around when it came to Elvis and sure. what they thought about his sexuality. And um, that was just like a, I don't know, that was the way things were. If you were a man back in the 50s and 60s and you showed even a shred of impropriety in portraying yourself as anything less than manly, manly, manly with beards and hair and all this stuff, you were seen as an outsider for the wrong reasons. In this movie, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of this strange homosexual nuance that is permeated in this film that of course they're not going to address because it's the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. but by George is it just not a, a thrill to watch Elvis jump up on stage and be surrounded by gosh how can I exp- let's take it one bit at a time first sure. of all there's there's his cellmate <laughs> Yes. Punk. <laughs> his cellmate. His cellmate is this older guy who's really thick, dummy thick, <laughs> and like rough around the edges and a seasoned veteran of the jail. And in comes Elvis, his hot, young, new cellmate. And the conversation they have is like, I'll show you around the block, kid. Don't you worry about it. And the whole time I'm thinking like... They literally show you videos when you enter prison. They show you videos to avoid being raped in which they tell you not to take any favors from anyone under any circumstances. And uh, one of the things I saw from this was they say, they'll say, uh, if you find a chocolate bar on your bed, what you're supposed to do is pick it up and in front of a group of people, set it down and say, I don't know who did this, but I'm not interested and I don't want, I don't need any help or any favors or anything like that. Just leave me alone. So like that's a kind of pathos about the judicial system that that we know, everyone knows about this, right? Everyone knew about it then. It's just that people weren't allowed to discuss it without being uh, branded as um, an outsider or um, a deviant because even being... Uh, it's just it's sad to think about it is well of course it's it's sad right you know men would get raped in prison and and even now for them to come forward and discuss um that trauma is is a real hard issue for the the majority of society to take seriously but back then you would be ostracized if you spoke out about it for sure so it's weird, right? It's weird that Elvis has this fun-loving teddy bear uncle who's like, I'm going to show you how to do prison, Elvis, and don't you worry. I'll make sure nobody gives you any trouble and you don't have to do nothing but sit on your cute little behind and mm-hmm. not do any favors for me. <laughs> it's just weird. Uh, and then he gets out of prison in like a few f- months. There's one shot. This is a, a little bit of filmmaking that I liked. I'll give it a some pluses here okay go ahead go ahead they 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 show like the calendar on the prison wall and and he's like crossing it off and then it like you see a hand come in to do the marker and cross off one month 
And then as the hand leaves, then they use like jump cuts to just like add the other months being crossed out. And that was a fun little bit of filmmaking. Yes, that was. That actually, I saw, I remember seeing that and that, that was a really good job. I will agree. Um, Back to the homosexual yes. overtones. Because <laughs> I can't stop thinking about them. I was watching this movie and it was just, it was so blatant in some areas. And we're going to talk about it now in the dance sequence. So Elvis becomes popular. His music is a hit and some people want to film him doing his little jig and they decide to cast a bunch of prison inmates or like dress people up as prison inmates and boy howdy i don't know what the director said to these men but i think it was get up onto the cage shake your ass and look as gay as possible because that is what they did there are men literally pole dancing behind elvis elvis gets up on the pole in this sequence elvis gets on the pole and like gosh there's and i think what they were going for was they were going for this hangdog look where like men get out of prison and they're sly and they've got this know-how and this you know backdoor policy or <laughs> if you know what i mean <laughs> no anyway this backdoor policy right but it doesn't come across that way in today's media and i i don't know if it would even when it came out because i don't know how anyone could have looked at that and been like nothing gay here no homosexual overtones here like the men are just so sexy but not in the masculine type of way mm -hmm. like they're sexy in the like ooh yeah uh-huh ooh <laughs> how to explain the visual is not lining up with what they're telling you in the movie and as it's aged that has become more and more and more evident it's so so gay it's so gay i had there's no i used to grow up and my uncles would be like elvis that pansy ha, what are you talking about and i'd be like what are you talking about elvis not a pansy and then i watched this movie and i was like oh my god if my uncles had been caught watching this movie somebody would have beat them up like that's how gay this movie is <laughs> oh all right that's enough about me come <clears throat> talking about how gay this movie is it's just weird it's weird it's yeah it is what it is uh i just want to preface sure. this for our audience sorry uh i come from the lbtq plus community so i'm not sitting here like bashing this for being that's gay. a good, that's a good this, point yes yeah <laughs> i'm saying this as somebody who knows what it's like to watch heterosexual normative film and media and see the underlines of homosexuality and just be completely outraged by the fact that nobody else seemed to be competent enough to be self-aware about what they were portraying on film Ugh. it's weird because it was a product of its time when people weren't allowed to say anything you know, you couldn't say anything in front of a camera about homosexuality. This is this is this is before people were protesting in the streets to be treated like human beings, right? I think it was still illegal in most states. Mm, for sure. Um, but anyway, I just had to get that out of my system. So, Matt, give us your hot take. What do you think? <laughs> Don't, I'm supposed to follow that up. I've. I just. God, like they, they all have matching costumes and they jump around and they, they're like clinging to one another. And also, let's not forget the line in Jailhouse Rock where number 47 says to number three, you're the cutest jailbird I ever did see. 
I sure would be delighted with your company. Come on and do the jailhouse rock with me. Like. Yes. In the, in the, in the movie, this is a televised like production they're doing. Yeah. And Elvis's intro, he says, well, I was, uh, I was in this place for a while and, uh, me and the boys, you know, we would goof around and have some fun. And, uh, oh, my God. Like, and it, he's like, we, our favorite was the Jailhouse Rock. And then the curtains open and then they, like, do the musical number. Holy Jesus. It's, Ugh. yeah, it's very, it is. Saturated. Mm-hmm. It's saturated with the, the delicious perfume of homosexuality. And no one wanted to say it, but everyone knew. Everyone knew. There's one scene that I keep thinking of. It's Elvis is singing, and I wish I could... I can't explain this through the microphone, but Elvis is singing, and there's a guy behind him snapping his fingers, and the face he makes while he's doing this is the face that a man would make if he was, like, in bed with Elvis. You know, it was just the expression and the tone and the framing. The framing! They they pole dance. Come on. <laughs> it's pole dancing. But once again, that sequence is the best scene in the movie. Like It is. That's why it's a classic. That's when the, 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 the filmmaking, the directing goes up a notch. And we going back to like what these people had done prior, like they've done musicals. So they know That's right. how to film a musical sequence. And there's energy to it. It's very kinetic. And Yep, it's very, yep, absolutely. And, and as far as um, getting a musical into a movie goes when a movie is not a musical that that was a great uh premise a really great premise here's elvis he's he's gotten into fame and stardom and they want to they want to do a movie of him now so here he is doing the movie which again talking about that weird meta rabbit hole that this movie seems to really want to go down yes that's why i think like at the beginning of each movie they, they ought to just tell you oh it's elvis presley because almost all of his movies do that where they're like Yes, it's a movie within a movie, or it's a theme within a theme, and who could it be that we're talking about if not for Deke Rivers or Vince, whoever the heck? Like, <laughs> just call him Elvis, bruh. Why are you trying to... There's no mystery here. There's also the question of why they don't just do a full-out musical. Yeah, I... Why I've... don't they just break into dance and song the whole time? That would have All been... All the time. Fantastic, probably. I guarantee it's probably because... Well, you know, after seeing this movie, I have to wonder if it isn't because his manager didn't want the general public to think he was totally gay. Honestly, (laughs) like if you can imagine Jailhouse Rock coming out and then his manager being like, yeah, Elvis is going to dance and sing in musicals now. People would have been like, girls probably would have been like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. I don't understand. You know, that's how maybe people were back then. I'm just speculating. I'm just saying. We can only speculate. You can only speculate. This movie was so freaking gay. And it wasn't even so freaking gay. It was just that it's just that you're looking at a movie that's almost 70 years old, like 60, 60 years old. I think it is now at least. Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh, this movie is twice as old as I am. And it's twice as bad in how it portrays anything that is not deemed in line with the current sensibilities of that time. It's just crazy to see. And also, it's hot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, mean, I can see it in your mind right now. You're picturing the scene where right? he's he's reprimanded in the prison, so he's shirtless and getting whipped. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's talk about 
Let's talk about because we glanced. We, we did glance. Let's talk about Elvis getting whipped. Yes. Oh my freaking god! It's a thing that happens. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, audience, for getting so upset. But the imagery, the the framing device of Elvis doing a bad thing and then being strung up and whipped. My my good gravy. How could they have thought that was a good idea? How could anyone think it's a good idea? To frame a white man getting whipped, and I'm pretty sure he gets whipped by there's there's colored people in this scene, like watching this happen. I'm pretty sure. Maybe. I think I think there was. Anyway, it was wrong. It was bad. It was so bad. I remember I was watching that part, and I turned to Chris, my boyfriend, and I just said, the framing. What is the framing device? <laughs> what is happening? Let's shoot this shot of his his reaction, like, from chest up and uh, really zoom in on his face and, and contorted, yeah. uh, like, ooh. Oh, my God. We're going to watch this scene. Oh, God. I mean, can it's you see so it? bad. It's so bad. I can see it. Oh, it's so wrong. It's so it's, wrong. I'm, I'm showing Morgan the, the exact shot. Uh, but yes, I think the guy who is whipping him, right, they have the big... God, his face, was the it? expression. They have this big fight in the cafeteria. Here we go. Oh and my the, God, they string him up in the fucking shower. But it's, it's the guy on the right here who's going to whip him. So there's no colored people at least. No, okay, no colored people. That's here. good because... God. Are they like actually whipping him? I mean, that whip look weird. It's some kind of piece of rope or something, but no, I don't know. It's a, it's a cat of nine tails. <laughs> for sure. They, they whip him, by the way, with a cat of nine tails. So strange, masochistic vibes. Like, ooh, I don't know, man. There was something going on where they were like, I think they were trying to market this towards women. I think they were really trying to push the hound dog look and trying to like get that bad boy energy and i think probably at the time it worked because women didn't get to see men in that kind of vibe you know like it, previous to the 1960s movies in the 40s and 50s men played a very particular role in films and you were supposed to love them for their tough talk and hard edged ways and because they were tough and gritty and raw and then elvis comes along and they're like no you're supposed to like him because he's tortured and <laughs> lost and beaten up by the world and sure he couldn't couldn't he couldn't fight the good fight you know and and i i get why that works because you know that's still a really popular archetype for female audiences today but goodness gracious you can tell they did not know how to film that on screen yet they were like they were like i don't know is it gay and they were like i guess so just keep shooting i get i don't know <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> it wasn't uncommon at that time to see themes of homosexuality and bdsm also creeping in to um the monoculture that was um heterosexual normativity so case in point not to cut you off uh wonder woman the whole origin of wonder woman as a absolutely. character absolutely super gay yeah <laughs> super gay so 
like let's just tell people about it in case they don't know wonder woman's whole shtick is she's a femdom she's a dominatrix Mm -hmm. her her magic rope that makes people tell the truth is a euphemism for femdom women tying up men and making them say things like i'm a dirty slut i'm a dirty princess blah, 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 blah stuff like that and her outfit is also um indicative of the BDSM community ties with the heels and the the tight suit um, harkens back to the beginnings of um, uh, it wasn't it wasn't latex I don't think was big yet it, it I don't even know if it was invented at that time but it was bootlicking and boot blacking was a was a big uh, part of the Dom sub community and that's how that got into wonder woman and her tying up of young hard muscled guy and being tied up yeah and her being tied up and oh my goodness all kinds of things but so there was this sense that homosexuality was seeping into the narrative through these back doors and that's painfully evident in this elvis movie and a lot of the times they don't do it on purpose a lot of times uh, the term for it is queer baiting where people will suggest that these characters have an alternative lifestyle to heterosexual normativity and they won't outright say it but in a lot of cases as you can see with this hot pile of trash that is jailhouse rock sometimes people would film and frame stuff in such a way that they themselves could have possibly been unaware of the fact that what they were creating was something that was homosexually driven and and indicative of homosexuality as a lifestyle it's like when you're when your teacher pulls a tv into class and she's like we're gonna watch this movie and the movie says some real gay stuff but your teacher is just like totally oblivious to it because of course they would never say gay things in a movie Mm -hmm. (laughs) right and you turn to your kid in your class and you're like did you just see that gay stuff and they're like yeah that was super gay and no one else seems to notice okay i think i've actually got it out of my system now (laughs) what an episode this has been it's just outrageous there's so many outrageous things that elvis does in his movies it's true and there's so many ways that the directors and the studios frame it that is so obtuse and so <laughs> wrong. <laughs> and who else is going to call him out on it but us? Because you think the official Graceland podcast <laughs> is going to be talking about Jailhouse Rock like this? No, they aren't. Yeah, I guarantee you not. Yeah. If you go on a Netflix right now and you watch the little Netflix documentary that they have about Elvis, let me tell you, they are not discussing the scene where Elvis gets whipped in the jail cell for being a bad boy. Bad Elvis. Bad boy. Bad. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, all right. Anything? Uh, I'm out. I, that's it. That's all I no, got. That's good. What, do you, what do you else? Almost at time. We wrap it up, I guess. Yeah. What more <laughs> is there to say? Yeah. You you take it over, Matt, because I think I've. If I keep going, I'm just going to keep talking about how gay this is. <laughs> so gay. That's fair. Sorry. Okay. You go. You tell us. What do you think about this movie, Matt? Oh, I want to make a parallel that I thought of the other day. Okay. That is kind of an interesting thing to speculate about. So this is 1957. In 1955, James Dean passed away. Right. Right. And there's a feeling in the back of my mind that like these early Elvis films, it's almost like a transition point. It was like 
wow, geez, we just lost like our troubled teen actor extraordinaire who was, and it's like they were trying to move the audience over and Elvis was going to take up the mantle or something, even though he doesn't have uh, the skills required to do so. Yeah. So there's like a weird thing there. I definitely got that vibe as well, especially with Jailhouse Rock. Like, Mm -hmm. I remember thinking while I was watching Jailhouse Rock, I'm like, they really wanted James Dean. Like, they really wanted James Dean to just be this movie. And they couldn't get James Dean because he freaking died. And instead, they were like, Elvis, get up on here and work that pole. No, I, I totally get that sense, right? And and a lot of it, too, was that when Elvis started to get real popular, people were really upset. It's hard to explain to, to the youth of today, but, like, people were, like, rioting. <laughs> people were, like, protesting. They were making signs and trying to ban Elvis because they didn't like the way he moved his hips around on stage. And this movie definitely didn't help. Yeah, well, yeah. And that's why it's really interesting to see um, movies like Loving You where they're like, Elvis Presley or Deke Rivers, I mean, would never act inappropriately with female fans. And if he gets into a fight at the bar, it's for all the right reasons. Mm-hmm. He's just being a, a good kid. And, and really, he's actually just a down-to-earth, young, simple guy who just wants what's real in life. Like, farm girls and potatoes and brown jackets (laughs) like they it was strange like they're trying to push this dichotomy with elvis where he's not really a bad guy trust us parents he's actually not that bad for your teenage girls and then on the one hand they're also trying to get him to fill that void of the youth and revolt demand and what i think is going to be really interesting is when we start watching his movies from the 60s where the youth and revolt has by that point taken its own steps and its own measures into a a whole different direction that Elvis was not going to be a part of. Yeah. Like he was not going to be the the troubled youth anymore. His, his movies started to get a lot campier and a lot more like almost straightened out almost Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word. I don't know if all of them were like that, but some of them really were. We'll find out as we continue. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting to see, how hollywood wants to treat its um its young stars you know like hollywood controls that narrative of of um well they don't control it but hollywood had a big part to do with how the general public saw youth and revolt and i guess we have to preface this because there might be people watching that don't know about this but to let some of the younger audiences know i don't know why you're watching an elvis podcast but youth and revolt is this um this thing that happened in the mid 50s to like the mid 60s where teenagers as a concept had not yet existed there was no teenager when you turned like 16 17 18 you were considered a young adult and you were treated as an adult and there was expectations for you to just start all of a sudden acting like an adult. Yeah. And there wasn't this transitionary period that we have today where we accept that anyone in between the age of like 14 and 18 is going through a really different 
transitional time in their life and need to be left with a lot of room to grow and and figure out who they want to be that didn't happen in in the 50s and 60s you did what your parents told you to do and if you didn't do what your parents told you to do it was a really tough time and all of a sudden these movies started coming out about these teenagers who were revolting against their parents and they were being filmed in such a way that they captured the essence of what teenagers were going through and they put a reason behind why they were revolting which is to say why they were disgusting <laughs> i'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. teenagers you're fine um, so it's really interesting. It's going to be really interesting to go forward and see how Hollywood gave Elvis that treatment in the early years and then phased it out in the later years and how he becomes a responsible adult. <laughs> yes. Really strange. I think that's all I want to say about this totally normal movie where nothing gay happens. This beloved Elvis vehicle that we have thoroughly uh, stripped <laughs> apart and exposed. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Exposed is the right word for it. Mm -hmm. I will never get the image of Elvis being whipped out of my head. That's going to stay with me for a long, long time. They whip him. They whip him for being a bad boy. We cannot emphasize this enough. This is a thing that happens in this movie. And they took his shirt off and everybody watched. Yeah, he's shirtless multiple times. This is the first time he's been shirtless uh, in his films. He's shirtless and and moaning. Won't be the last, but bad he's yeah. really shirtless and fun in Acapulco which I'm really excited to talk about also but we'll get to that when we get to that he's shirtless on the poster of Flaming Star that's another one we'll get to that one. Oh my god oh boy I have I have watched Flaming Star and people if you think I'm outraged by Elvis Presley and Jailhouse Rock because of their treatment of homosexuality as a member of the LGBTQ plus community just wait Till you find out how I feel about Elvis portraying indigenous people as a member of indigenous community. Ooh, I, the tantalizing ooh, tease. I'm, oh, you got to keep tuning in if you want that juicy, ooh, that juicy uh, yeah. talk. <laughs> so stay posted for Flaming Star. Holy cow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And for now, we'll we'll wrap things up here. Yes, thank you, thank you so much for joining us and for uh, getting through this episode. I know it was kind of it was kind of crazy episode. We, yeah, we went places. You know, Elvis does that to me. <laughs> That's totally fair. Yeah. So thank you for joining, and um, I hope we'll see you again next episode. We're going to be watching King Creole. Yes. Perfect. So for now, thank you. Thank, thank you, you very, very much. much.